Welcome everyone to this episode of our podcast.、Um, this was a very exploratory conversation. Even though we started with doing a sort of check-in on how the past almost year has been doing the podcast and you know aiming towards living a GoFo crypto life, we talked about some events that、um, brought were brought to our realization about other people's time and the way that money is thought about. So. We had a lot of fun. Keegan, at least I did. How did you find the conversation? Yeah, it was good. I, I asked you some really good questions, and you went on、uh, some very worthwhile tangents. I think. Yes, I did go on tangents, and I do also think they were worthwhile.、Um, Keegan thought that I pulled a Robert Kiyosaki quote, but it was all my own. It's it, completely authentic. Yes, it was Murakami Pavey's quote, and、um, hopefully, that hopefully you can take away a lot from it because it was. Empathize with the people that don't have the time to keep up with crypto and keep up with what they can do with their money to make their money work for them. So、um, we enjoyed recording this. We hope you get a lot of value from it. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, it would be huge for us if you could give us a five-star rating and write a review. That's how more people find us, and that's the way that we can grow our show. We have no sponsors. We do this from our experience because we just want to reach a wider audience. So. If you can so much help us so much by doing that by、uh, reviewing us and more importantly telling your friends about us. So yeah, without further ado, let's begin the episode. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murakami Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. Okay, Murga, April ninth. We're actually coming up on a almost on a year that we've been doing this podcast now. No, I think we started in July, right? June. So, like a couple more months, yeah, It'll be a full year. That's true. Thanks, everyone who's been listening、um, and with us throughout. The year it's been a really cool journey for us to be recording our thoughts and our findings and sharing it with all of you. In the last couple of months, we've seen some pretty explosive growth, and I think that's due to all the people that have been leaving us reviews. And so, if you want to contribute to our podcast, reviews are a really great way to to do that. We don't have sponsors, and and so、uh, we we're not shilling any products or services or anything like that. It's all from our personal experience, which is kind of what this whole episode is going to be about today. Uh, so、personal experiences. Personal experiences. It's kind of like a check-in episode of sorts. So I'm going to ask Murga, and she's going to ask me. But hey, Murga, how is going full crypto going for you? What's your journey like? Oh well, it's been great so far. Um, I I really like using the crypto.com Visa debit card that I have. Again, not shilling.、Uh, it's just something that we use. I have stopped using my Visa card from my bank、uh, almost entirely. And well, like with respect to where my mind's at with crypto, we we did the last episode on healthy Bitcoin skepticism. Yeah. And like since then, I've felt this void in um in the knowledge that I have accumulated over over time over the years, and、oh, I'm just I feel so um so under educated and so under knowledgeable about things that are out there. I think the whole like discovering the things about the fungibility of Bitcoin and the censorship. Of、uh, transactions that I, I didn't see when it came out in the news, it really hit me, and it it、um, was like a small nudge,、uh, and to my to the knowledge base that I already have, and it, I felt like I don't know enough, and there's just so much to know out there. Well, that feeling doesn't go away. I know. I often wake up with that. Fe- actually, 
No, that's not true. I, I w- <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> most days I <laughs> wake up. Very modest of you. Well, yeah, most days I wake up and I'm like, okay, I, I know enough to get through the day. But sometimes I'll, I'll go down a rabbit hole and I'll just realize that, I'm, oh, oh, Lord, I don't know much about yeah. Bitcoin or there's so much more I could know. Yeah, there's, uh, there's sometimes it just feels like there's a world and there's a wealth of knowledge and I have very little of uh of that wealth and it should actually be encouraging me to go out and read more which it has been doing so i'm really grateful that these small nudges um these small or like i'm I'm avoiding saying the word but it's you know my ego being hurt that i don't know enough which is always good because it keeps my ego in check um and you can never know everything it's just a realization that or a fact of the matter that i need to be at peace with do you think you know more about bitcoin or the Canadian dollar? Definitely more about Bitcoin than the Canadian dollar. I think I know more about the Canadian dollar because of Bitcoin. And do you think that if you knew more about the Canadian dollar, would you have more of a stake in it? Like, would you hold more of your wealth in the Canadian dollar? Like, is it a knowledge thing that that has driven us to go full crypto? Or is it? uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's the question. Is it a knowledge thing? That has driven us to go for crypto? Yeah. Uh, well, yes, I mean, absolutely. Knowledge is power. And that power has helped me. To, that knowledge has helped me utilize the power that I have gained to opt out, not of the Canadian dollar, but out of just banking systems, because I find usually they're just not in your favor. Um, like recently, we wanted to get a loan and uh, for our business. For our business. And yeah. we, we couldn't. I know you were handling that, uh, but even with like, anyway, well, we don't let, have let to get t- into that, but oh, yeah, unless sure. you want to. Yeah, a little bit. It was, it was interesting. They, they said, okay, here is an on the spot loan. You can go on and click a couple buttons and open up the loan account, which kind of wasn't true. Uh, I had to call and be on hold for an hour and a half. And so they're like, yeah, it's a five and a half percent interest rate plus a $25 monthly fee. And I, I did the math on it. It was a $10,000 line of credit. And I was like, wait, $25 a month. That's just basically having all of the credit out and like another two and a half percent interest on. And so I was like, it's actually, it's an 8% interest rate. It's not, it's not five and a half. Don't tell me it's five and a half. It's actually eight. <laughs> They're like, uh, yeah, I guess that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> um, so like knowledge is one reason why we would go went went go full crypto why we went go, uh, went full crypto but the other reason is <laughs> due to our experience with uh, with the canadian banking system i i kind of like to think that if the canadian dollar was designed better or if there was more infrastructure around the canadian dollar we would use it more often what I, do you think I don't about know that? well like not the canadian dollar per se because the canadian dollar is just a medium of exchange and not a very good store of value if but i don't even know if it's supposed to be a store of value because it's a currency it's supposed to um help one person exchange one thing for another you know and be able to act as that medium of exchange for transfer of goods and services so like the more that i think about it i think well i don't know if a good money is supposed to carry or like have any attribution to being a store of value which is why like it the the government has taken it taken inflation so um used inflation so much yeah it's it's weird so when I think about a money, I think of three things, right? Medium of exchange, store value, unit of account. That's because we've been told it. That's because people before have, has, have written about it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying 
Well, like, if it is true, then can anyone deny the fact that the Canadian dollar is not a good store of value? Because you can't buy what you could buy today uh, with the amount of money you earned 20 years ago. Right. So if we're doing a quick contrast, then the Canadian dollar lacks one of the three properties because it's a great unit of account and medium exchange only in Canada, but it's not a great store of value. Okay, and then on the, hold on, on the flip side, Bitcoin is a great store of value, but not a good medium of exchange or unit of account yet. Right. So I, like, I would still say that it's a good medium of exchange if you're thinking globally, but yeah, I with, agree. with respect to unit account, even for the Canadian dollar, like if it's not a good store of value, then it's not a good unit of account over time. Don't you think? Cause like, is this true? Is this analogy true? If your if your not grandfather, if your father paid uh, $15,000 for the same degree that he got from the same university as I did, what, 25 years later. Right. Um, and I paid double the amount. Um, but like, you know, so we, story, in, in well, retrospect, we paid the same amount, but it was just like two and a half percent average into, uh, inflation over years has caused me to pay what, 35, 40,000 and him to pay 15. So what you're saying is because the Canadian dollar is not a good store of value, it's also not a good unit of account over a large span of time. Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, I know that, I agree with that. The way that I understand unit of account that's what like and then like what is good correct because if <laughs> if uh, the stability need to count in for um, having something be a good store uh, unit of account because even with bitcoin you had to pay ten thousand dollars to buy two pizzas uh, equivalent worth of value and now you don't need to pay ten thousand bitcoin you can pay 0. 0.000 something right so, so it's hard to like track that value over over large periods of time hard to measure value in general yeah that's true but that, and then, but is that still a good unit of account? Because does good unit of account mean you spend less to buy the same thing? Or does it need to be stable? Like 15 years ago, you paid $15,000 to get a uh, degree. 15 years later, you pay the same amount. Like, is that a good unit of account? What does good constitute in this particular scenario for a good money? And like, I want to read books and I want to understand a bit more about what people have said before me, because it is known. Even when we spoke to the person at the Bank of Canada, they responded with, well, Bitcoin, da, da, da. We, we reached out to someone from the Bank of Canada asking them why they don't have any information on Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrencies, but mostly, sorry, mostly Bitcoin. And then they responded with, well, Bitcoin's super volatile. It's not a good store of value. It's not yada, da, da, da. And they listed the three things. It's not a good medium of exchange. It's not a good unit account and it's not a good store of value and then i responded with um like my reasons for i i agreed okay sure it's not a great um unit of account right now it's not it may not be a good medium of exchange because of its volatility depending on the amount right now but it's definitely a better store of value than the canadian dollar because of like whatever reasons um so yeah i definitely want to educate myself to see what people before me have read books, have written books about and say about money in order to hold a good money be something that is a good store of value and a good unit of account. And what good means in that circumstance? Yeah, you kind of stumped me with that. Like, what is a good unit of account? What does that even mean? So maybe we'll have to cover that another time. Yeah. I want to take this back to, uh, to answering or asking about going full crypto and talking more about the infrastructure uh, that exists now that allows us to do this because even when we started the podcast, we were not full crypto, right? We didn't have our crypto.com visa debit cards that allow us to spend right from our, basically our crypto bank, crypto.com. 
So now that we have that, like how much, uh, like what are the perks that we get, Maruka? I want I want you to kind of walk our audience through some of the perks, um, but also like why why are they perks? Why why do this instead of not do this? It's well because Crypto.com is such a new company and they offer financial services and they were born in what 2017. Yeah. So they used the infrastructure that was available at that time and they have continued to update that infrastructure because that is i would say one of their top priorities is to keep with the times and with respect to the current financial infrastructure that is in place for us to use canadian dollar as our main um currency they haven't stayed up to date and if they are they're like just reaching for it but we're always just like a couple of steps behind because of the number of barriers and barricades that are put between us using financial instruments to our advantage. Right. And it also seems like if we were to use the financial instruments available to us in Canada, there's there's still several barriers to do that. Uh, so if we wanted to trade on, on a stock exchange uh, that, or like grow our Canadian dollars in one way, shape or form or another, we need to move that to Wealthsimple or another platform. No, I, th- I think we can trade stocks from your our bank account itself. I think we have to like open another separate account. I never inquired because I never was interested. So and, but we'd have to get a financial advisor. I'm yeah, that's sure. true. We'd have to go into RBC, maybe like sign something. I know when I, I did open a stock account on RBC uh, and I ended up not using it and I just transferred the money to Quest Trade. And this was quite a while ago because there was a particular stock that I wanted, but the whole process was quite difficult. And then the the buying of the stock cost me $10. So I bought $100 worth of stock and it cost me $110 to do so. And that was, that was really strange, but that was really the only way that I, the only option I had available to me to grow my Canadian dollars in any, any way, shape or form or grow my investment. But with, with the, like the plethora of options that these other crypto banks emerging crypto banks, and let's just name a couple, Kraken, Binance, Crypto.com, BlockFi, they're all kind of offering similar services to one another, and that's like interest-bearing accounts. Uh, And then DeFi, if you want to have your money grow within a decentralized financial environment, there's also a lot of options to to get or create passive income for yourself. And they're they're all competing banks by a mile. It's just the, the knowledge and the technical barrier to leveraging these options is quite huge. That's right. Actually, I bumped with bumped into a friend today. <laughs> bumped with a friend. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anyway, I bumped into a friend today, and we were just quickly discussing uh, the, how much time it takes to keep up with crypto. Yeah. And it it was like a small realization for me because Keegan, we do it all the time, <laughs> but some of our we don't do it enough. <laughs> yeah, I know, and still we feel like we don't do it enough, or there is you know, so much more to do and we don't have enough hours in a day to do it all. Um, So like the small realization was, you know, maybe some of our audience has a full-time job and they use our podcast as a means to stay up to date with what's happening in the crypto world or even how they can leverage some of the tools that we use to enhance and maximize their financial um, stability or financial capacity. But uh, like... People just don't have the time to worry about making their money work for them if they already work for their money. That is a really amazing observation, actually. Can you let's say that again? So people don't have the time to 
set up their money working for them because, because they're they too busy working for their money. Yeah. Wow. I like that. That sounds like a Robert Kiyosaki kind of thing. Like, I mean, <laughs> it came came from here. It came, came from, from Rugachi. That's a Rugachi power it's kind a, of thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's, uh, I, I, it's uh, the whole system that we have set up, like working nine to five, some people working even longer hours. When you come home, you're tired. You've already converted your time into money by giving up your labor for the job that you're working on or working for. When you come home, you want to spend time with your kids if you have a family. Or just sit in front of the TV and like watch it with with a beer or cook supper. Sometimes, which is fine. All of those things are all, awesome. I know, but all of those things, you don't do like the job mostly. Don't leave you with the mental capacity of thinking, okay, what more can I do to make sure that my or even not even make sure, but think about and read about, okay, how is my money even going to um, like stay uh, with. With the same amount of buying power. But, but even that, you know, how many people have the time to think about that? Like, I know some of my friends, they work nine to five jobs and they work for somebody else. After they're done, they're mentally exhausted. Yeah, and you do actually require quite a bit of mental capacity to just wrap your head around the concept of inflation in general. Yeah. So you, I think it's kind of necessary. Like, very few people I've spoken to have just taken me on face value when I say, look, your money, your cash, your Canadian dollar, if it's just sitting in the bank account, it's depreciating. Like that takes a long time for you to wrap your head around. And it, like that takes a lot of mental capacity. So to your point, they're out, they're out there working, coming home, and then they're just like drained. And that's one of the things I find really insidious about the way that our financial system is set up. It's like, okay, yeah, you work for your money and, and you work so hard because you have to now. Like everything it's is just the, at the upper limit of what everything costs. I don't even think it's the financial system at this point, though. It's just the way that infrastructure is set up for people to do work. So, mm -hmm. like, Keegan, when you worked at PBSA, you worked you worked in a bunker. So in I the wintertime, you didn't even see the sun for, what, four months at a time? <laughs> yes, but I had a vitamin D lamp. Sure. A replacement sun lamp where you worked inside the bunker. But the point is, like, when you were done working, when you came home, you were interested in crypto, um, yeah. which is why you spent your time doing that. But and the job was also crypto oriented. That's true. So I spent my day researching crypto and building crypto. And then I came home and, and built different tools for crypto, for crypto. So like I was just totally immersed for like three years. But but yeah, like not everyone has has that luxury. A lot of the time I would just come home and I play board games with my friends. Yeah, that's true. And then sometimes also like your our case is so different because then when we met, <laughs> we met. And then when we moved in together, we still did more crypto or more blockchain and then more crypto. So like you and I are extremely fortunate to be in the position where you and I both want to do this together. And we can do it all day long, every single day and not get tired because we're passionate about this subject. But yeah. it's for other people, they have families to maintain and they you know, want to actually spend quality time with um, their loved ones doing something other than uh, figuring out how to make their money work for them. So I just feel like it's such an interesting system where you work for your money and then your money decreases in purchase, purchase and you have decreased, oh my goodness, 
decreases in purchasing power and you have to put in more work to figure out how you can stop that from happening. Anyway, this is this is a really interesting tangent from you asking me the perks of uh, using the Visa <laughs> debit card. So, uh, Or using crypto.com in general. Yeah, so folks, thank you for um, staying with us throughout this tangent. Coming back to the perks that Keegan asked me about, um, I'll say it's just simply it's I get I get money back when I use the crypto.com card. So with respect to the Visa card that I used to use before, it was Air Miles and whatever like points that I got. It's which, really important to note that those points that you get on your card aren't money. That's true. Yeah, they can be con- well. They substitute or they add as a discount to whatever you want to buy. But I mean, even those prices are so not great right like you need say i don't know twenty thousand points to get two hundred dollars off or something yeah i don't know what the ratio is but it's it's really small it's like it's meek. much better to just get cash back like that's why i like cashback cards so exactly yeah. so like one the one perk that i really enjoy is saying oh i spent um like ten dollars and i got 50 cents back in us dollar equivalent that's cool and it's also in like their native currency so crypto.com's native currency called CRO which then I can turn back into Canadian dollar if I want or keep it in CRO which depending on how CRO is doing could even appreciate in value so the 50 cents that I got back in cashback could be worth one dollar if I just kept it in CRO and because it's already on in the crypto.com ecosystem I can use that to do so many other things that's what I was just going to bring up next actually is optionality if I was to put in one word what going full crypto has given us it's options it's given us way more optionality with and freedom optionality is freedom is optionality a word optionality is totally <laughs> okay. a word. yeah absolutely so like when people are restricted in in like a political sense they have very few options they have low optionality and it's uh depending on the government like it's in their best interest to have their their citizenship uh or their citizens have low optionality that's that's like the Optionality slash freedom is directly related to how much power uh, the government or the governing body, whether that be a bank or or a company that you're you're part of. Uh, the more freedom you have, the less uh, the less power the government has. Anyway, that's kind of the the way that I see that balance. Oh no! It's... But sorry, I'll go full crypto optionality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like when you get cash back in CRO crypto.com coin, you can convert that to Bitcoin. If you're a Bitcoin maximalist, right? You can take that CRO, you can make passive income from that on crypto.com. You can then take that passive income and convert it into Bitcoin. You can get stable coin and load that back onto your card for spending. So the range of things you can do with your yeah. cash back is huge. I'm just going to insert it in here, folks. We'll put it in the show description, but Keegan wrote a newsletter on all the ways that you can generate passive income on crypto.com and he is an excellent writer i'm not saying this because i'm biased i'm saying it because it's true and uh, he if you want to check out all the ways that you can earn money on your money written in the form of format of a newsletter check out his newsletter on all the ways to earn passive income yeah i don't actually, really remember it, like creating the, passive income all the ways to go for crypto no, that's another one on no, all the ways to go full crypto. With crypto.com. With crypto.com. And then I wrote another one, all the ways to use uh, Binance to generate passive income. No, no, you wrote another. Well, What's the third one? Then? It's uh, creating <laughs> passive income with crypto.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the one you wrote in February, I think. Nice. I'm pretty sure. Cause, uh, <laughs> well, we're going to link three of them. Yes, we, we put all three of them in the... Um, in the show description so yeah optionality and we can't really do much of that with our current financial 
instruments available to us and it, it's not their fault right like it's so much that you have to update with the, the current system i just feel like it's putting patches upon patches upon patches of what's already out there instead of i don't even know how it would be possible to just take the entire system like the archaic system that our current backing infrastructure is on and then updating it with something more new I, I think that's essentially what's happening when these startups like ShakePay, for example, build banking infrastructure, which is just financial infrastructure around Bitcoin and the Canadian dollar. That is that is the revolution. Right. So every day that RBC or Scotiabank aren't building on Bitcoin, they're falling behind. It's, it's one more day that they're not spending uh, <laughs> essentially catching up to to modern day. Like they're still stuck in in the early 2000s as far as I see it. If they're not at least taking Bitcoin seriously and asking themselves how to integrate with it in some way, shape or form, um, I, I see that as a significant strategic disadvantage. Uh, d if they're still in the denial phase, then that's that's probably the phase that they want to get out of rather quickly. Yeah, it's such an interesting time we live in right now. I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder uh, that every single day. <laughs> I know. And I, so I... I, I, you know what, Keke? I think this is more of an exploratory conversation instead of all the ways that, or how going full crypto has been for us, like you intended in the beginning, because I want to bring this up because it's sort of relevant to what we've talked about. I met a friend of mine who's doing his master's in economics over the weekend, and he was telling me how inflation rates are still pretty low. Like the US and Canada can take way more, take on way more debt than they already have. Because he mentioned this like ratio that um, governments measure, and we are below that ratio. So I actually want to have him on the podcast to. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea because I know I, I don't think I know enough about the consumer price index. Yes, yeah, he's said something about CPI, and like I tried to collect as much information as I could and like remember it, but it, in order to reinforce all of the things that he and I talked about, I'm gonna have to talk to him more or listen to the books that he gave. Well, he, he recommended. Here's one like sort of issue with uh, with talking about modern economic theory. And yeah, that's modern, what he called it. He called it MMT. Yeah, it's just a little modern monetary over theory. the head of people. Whereas like, I, I like including my own, right. right? Like, do you, should everyone need to become an economist and know what the consumer price index is and how that's calculated in order to understand how, like the value of their, their money and the, their dollar? It seems like we have the inability to understand the value of the Canadian dollar without understanding the consumer price index and how inflation is calculated. You know, I was going to say something, but I, it just slipped my mind. So in contrast, it's like uh, most of these cryptocurrency protocols, at least the simple ones like Bitcoin, they're dead simple. Once you get it explained to you, um, like using simple terms, simple analogies, and like I'm pretty confident that most people can grasp it. Like my my 77 year old grandfather can grasp it, and uh, my seven year old cousin can grasp it. So I'm I'm pretty confident that everyone in between has the ability to understand because I think that's money. Like money should be simple. Money shouldn't be a collection of these. Uh, you're you're looking at me all weird. What are you I, thinking? Well, I I think that you're being very optimistic about um, about how people understand things. Uh, like you know. We've heard about money and we've been taught about money since the time that we could learn to talk, even like before that, because, you know, as children, we've, if you've been, if you've ever been given anything, it's a piggy bank where you put um, like a dollar or whatever, you change, and then you can, yeah. 
use that money later. I actually think that we're like nowadays we're biologically wired. Like it's in our genetics to understand money slash value. Yeah, but not money in the same sense, right? Like you said that Bitcoin is pretty simple to understand. I don't think so because it's software, right? Like there are people out there who don't understand how Facebook monetizes. Bitcoin you. is not software. Like that Bitcoin is that's one of the things it is. But like Bitcoin, the monetary unit is not software. The way that it is governed, though, is software. Yes. And the governance aspect of it, again, is the one thing that is hard for people to wrap their head around because there's no person behind it. So you can say, oh, Canadian dollar. Right. That's Canadian in the country, Canada. Bitcoin. Oh, you're saying that, oh, there's people all around the world that run this piece of code and then it just somehow stays that's, strong that's like actually, somehow it works that's not the part of bitcoin that i'm tell, uh, that i'm saying that people have the capacity to understand I, i'm i'm actually speaking strictly about bitcoin the monetary unit and like the the aspects of it that people would need to learn in order to use it so like wallets for example i, I believe people have the ability to understand wallets everyone has the ability to understand it but the time that it takes to understand it i think is uh, like a lot but even the way that wallets are you know made right now learning the whole 12 year 12 word phrase thing or 24 word phrase and you lose your keys you lose your crypto all of that is completely new because we're not self-sovereign individuals we're not people that can take responsibility for things that are digital because there's so many like everything else that we use if you forget your password you forget your username you have someone to call you forget your 12 word phrase your money's gone yeah that for whole the, the whole forgot your password button in the last 20 years has like made really, us yeah yeah it made it's made us a little lazy in, in a sense to uh to like really take care of our own security or <laughs> like managing our our data etc cetera, etc cetera. right on yeah that's true so gosh there's just so much yeah we, we have a whole lot of hand holding going on in the software industry and i think this is a bit of a reclamation of our sovereignty like to to really use bitcoin and, and go full crypto like personally i feel a lot more independent and that goes back to optionality and i understand that that's not for everyone i was having a conversation with one of our one of our clients today and he's like, well, I don't think I'm ready. And my wife certainly isn't. It's like, well, you know, that's fine. It's going to take time. Like no one's expecting you to, to throw all your money into crypto and put it all in these passive income strategies and to get the Visa debit card and start spending uh, stable coin and even understand what stable coin. No one's expecting you to do that. I, I think this podcast, at least what this is about, is like take one piece of information at a time. Take one episode at a time, understand the concepts, go Google stablecoin, figure out what that is and add it to your repository of, uh, of knowledge because that adds to your financial literacy, which is crypto literacy. Yeah. And folks, even if you want to take more time with that, keep listening to our podcast, keep spending whatever time you can to understand it. Like we can, we can totally empathize with the fact that it just takes time, just takes time for some people to really be... Um, completely sure of what they're doing, especially with their money, because it's hard-earned money. It's time that you've converted into something that you can, you can use to buy you things. And you don't want to take very big risks with that because you've already spent time to get that much money. So, you know, we can empathize to, if you want to take time, you taking time and you taking the effort to learn about this. And we are here for you 
to tell you what we do so you can learn from us and learn from our mistakes so you don't have to make them. And if you do make mistakes, that's that's also fine. Just try to make sure that those mistakes aren't like, you know, multi-thousand dollar mistakes. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you get yourself into a situation like that, reach out and we might be able to help you. Hopefully we'll you don't. You can reach out before that too yeah. so that you can avoid getting into that situation. Exactly. Um, and yeah, that's that. I think that we covered a good amount of what, what we've done to go full crypto in this episode. Yeah, well... You have some closing thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Just to quickly summarize, like going for crypto hasn't been um, like an open and shut, oh, crypto exists. Let's turn all of our money into it. It's been more of a, hmm, this is interesting. Why is this interesting? Huh, interesting. I bought this much like five months ago and, and now it's worth more in Canadian dollar terms. Why did that happen? Ah, Bitcoin is considered money. Wait, what is money? Oh, it has all of these aspects that I have to consider now. So the Canadian dollar is not, you know, like just the chain of thought of going from discovering it to exploring it to understanding it and then taking an action. So in, in this particular podcast, we talked about those phases that we've been through to get to where we are today. And yeah, we didn't wake up one day and throw 100% of our net worth into crypto. That's that's right. so excessive. Like I don't even know who do that. Well, Michael Saylor would, but oh, I don't. He didn't do that though. He he spent time reading about stuff. Yeah, he spent like three months, and then it's like I'm doing it. Yeah, hundred percent Bitcoin. But that's the only thing that he did. I'm sure. Like yeah. he is the CEO of a company. He has leadership teams in place to take care of the day to day operations. So he has time to go and explore things outside of his business. It's true. It goes back to like people spend their days working most yeah. of the time, and then they come home exhausted, watch Netflix, and yeah, spend fine, time but... with their family. Yeah. That's the way it is. That's why we're here, too. You can learn from us. That's right. Wonderful. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Once again, if you love our show, please give us a rating if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts. And what's even better is telling your friends about it so they can learn from us, too. Yeah. And with that, stay tuned. <laughs>